It's an old joke. Heaven is where the cooks are French, the lovers are Italian, the engineers are German, the police are British, and it's all organized by the Swiss. Hell is where the cooks are British, the lovers are Swiss, the engineers are French, the police are German, and it's all organized by the Italians. Let's ignore hell for a moment. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point on the podcast. Let's focus on heaven, where the engineers are German. The contributions of German engineers cannot be understated in our modern world. You're listening to this very podcast on an audio format, MP3, invented by the Germans. Many key technologies of the device will watch the World Cup on the television were invented by Germans, not to mention the automobile, nuclear fission, and a little thing called the printing press. Many think of these great inventions as coming from some stroke of genius, a lightning bolt of inspiration that leads directly to the creation of some new technology. But that just isn't the case. For every working product, there are 100 failed prototypes. For every famous inventor, there's a team of collaborators assisting them. The traits necessary for breakthrough engineering are a relentless work ethic, precision, and organization. It is necessary to iterate improve, and eventually focus a team of people to create things that have never been created before. Shifting to football, let's look at the soccer pitch as an engineering problem. You're allowed 11 players to occupy the space on the pitch as you'd like. If you could create the perfect team, you'd want players that would always stay organized in the desired shape to create beneficial angers for themselves and restrict the space of the other side. You want players who can string together precise passes and ultimately make accurate strikes on goal. You'd want a disciplined team that always stays alert and focused, regardless of the opponent or the situation. Is it any surprise that football fits so well to the German ethos? As you'd expect, their results are nothing short of staggering. Set aside the four World Cup victories. Germany has qualified for every eligible World Cup from the incredibly tough European continent. In 94 games of qualifying, they've only lost twice. They've made it past the first round of the World Cup a record 16 consecutive times. They've made the final a record 8 times. Their worst World Cup finish this millennium is 3rd place. The only achievements the Germans do not have is the most World Cups, an honor currently held by Brazil with 5. In the infamous Minerazo, Germany demolished Brazil en route to the 2014 World Cup and closed the trophy gap between them to 1. This year, they could join Brazil and cement themselves firmly on top of the footballing universe with back-to-back World Cups. This week, the final country on Joe Picks a World Cup team, Germany. States no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, what a season. 
I'm excited, Joe. I know for you, your flight is now four hours and ten minutes away. During the time we need to do this entire episode, and you need to sleep. But to me, this is just this is the most fun pickings Friday of my life. I'm I'm so excited about this episode. And you know, Joe, let's just get it started with the drink. Yeah, Dan, what are we drinking? Yeah, sorry, Joe. I you've warned me coming into this that no, I mean you confused me there a little bit. Yeah, I know. I you you said that much like. Uh, Poland is a zombie team. You might become a zombie at some point. So I was trying to do a little bit of the heavy lifting, but I just confused the whole the whole thing. It just it just it just messed the whole thing up right now. Messed the whole thing up. But look, Germany super fan Sean, we're drinking. Well, whatever. I'll just say what he wrote. Another country where beer is number one. Their brewing laws date back to 1516. 16 year olds can get served beer on a night out legally. Oktoberfest in Munich is legendary for the Steins, Lederhosen. Durndles, pork knuckles, and the beer waitresses. I've been a couple of times and had a jolly time. You can't go and not come back with a handful of great stories. I've been to the Lowenbrau and Hofbrau tents and can recommend both of those beers, but you can't go wrong with any German beer you find. Have you well, been to Oktoberfest, Joe? I've never been to Oktoberfest. I have been to Germany. Well, I've been to an Oktoberfest, uh, but not in Germany. I've been, I've been to... Munich, and I have been to Hofbrauhaus in Ooh. Munich, which was awesome. Yeah, that place is great. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've had German beer at a German be- beer hall. We brought home like a beautiful Stein that we have. So yeah, it's, I, it was great. I have, I have been to Oktoberfest, Joe. It's fucking insane. Yeah, like there, it's the thing that I didn't realize about Oktoberfest. Is I thought, oh, everybody gets around and drinks beer. But it's actually like an amusement park. Like there are roller coasters and rides <sighs> and it's and like bumper cars and it's all adults and basically everybody just gets completely drunk. Like at one point in the tent I was in, somebody you know, you're all on these long tables and you just sit there and you know, the beer waitresses come, they carry like twelve or sixteen beers at a time. I mean they have forearms, you can't even imagine. <laughs> and some guy like leans over and just starts puking on the ground like had a little too much no problem they had it was like a a cleanup crew was out there in like five seconds putting the sawdust down scooping up the vomit boom it's the whole situation's cleaned in like 20 minutes or 20 seconds later on we're still in the same tent a guy just keels over like literally (laughs) he's drinking and it was like a soccer game where they came – they literally – they like had a team of people. They had the little stretcher. They, they just put the guy on the stretcher. They stretcher him out of there and then seats opened up. Uh, the next – you know, somebody's in line. Just come, takes a seat, order a beer. It's just it, – it's an unbelievably efficient way of everybody getting drunk and having a good time. Recommend I mean, it, but it's crazy. So that's – the Germans are are even efficient in their getting wasted. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean that's amazing. Too, too efficient. It, it, it's it's just brutal. Like you also have to wake up at like eight in the morning to get the good spots and stuff. But anyways, <laughs> Joe, what what German beer have you selected? Well, I I I took a, took some of the only German beer we have in our fridge, which is Bitburger, but a good German beer. All right, very and that's nice. That's what I'm drinking. Yeah. So I had originally planned a tour of 
Germany. My favorite brewery, the first brewery I ever went to, Super Fantoni and I, when we first went to Frankfurt as uh, 22-year-olds, we went to Schneiderweiss, the brewery, and I I purchased four different Schneiderweiss beers. And I was planning to drink them all on the podcast, but now that's obviously insane. So I've only selected two of them. I'm going to start with the Schneiderweiss, the original Joe, which I love. When I first went to Germany and had this beer, it was it blew me away at, at the, the quality. I mean, this is coming from college where you're just drinking Bud Light and shit. And then I will switch to their Schneiderweiss Wiesen Edelweiss. So that'll be my, my next one, which I'm very excited about. Now... When, when I was talking about this with my dad earlier, because he was at at our house and I was looking for a German beer, uh, I said, oh, well, you know, because my dad's a big wine drinker. So I said, oh, well, maybe we'll have some Gewürztraminer. Thinking with a name like Gewürztraminer, it must be German. That sounds said, very oh, German. He, he said, oh, actually, Gewürztraminer is from northern France, which I guess makes sense. Um, but he's like, oh, you know, but if you want German wine, you ha- you'd have uh, Riesling, which I never knew that Riesling was from Germany, but apparently it is. Huh. Wow, yeah, I would have definitely flipped those two if I yeah. had to guess what countries yeah. they're from. So there you go. All right, man. We got the German beer. This is very exciting. Boy, this uh, Schneiderweiss, Heberweizen tastes just as good as it does straight <laughs> from the tap. And now Joe has promised we've got our four voicemails. Oh, I can't wait. All right, so we've got from Superfan Josh, Superfan Bez, Superfan Zeb, and Superfan Fernando. And I'm just going to go in reverse order of the length. So let's start with Josh's, which is the shortest, at a solid 20 seconds. Let's see what he has to say. And note, note I have not listened to any of these. So, so, even li- so again. So get ready with your bleep button. You yeah, don't know what's going to be on here. It could be yeah. copyright infringement. Yeah. It could be insults. We, we could be roasted. I don't know. Wow. Wow. Or, wow. Joe, there could be some holy scripture in here. I mean, we, we don't know what could be in here. Wow. I'm... I'm anticipating with bated breath over here. Okay. Hey guys, this is super fan emeritus, Josh, longtime listener, first time caller. Got a historical question for you. If you were at the store and you heard about a Halloween costume called Babraham Lincoln, would you think that was a costume for a sexy Lincoln or a baby Abraham Lincoln costume? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Abraham Lincoln, is it a sexy costume or a baby costume? I mean, I think the answer is clear. I don't even think it's a question. I think it's obviously a sexy baby costume. Look, Joe. It's only for sexy babies. Open Pickings Day is a... I thought this is like a great question because on Open Pickings Day, Abraham Lincoln made one of the most critical choices of all time to end slavery. He, I mean, open pickings day hero dressing up as Abraham Lincoln. I think even if you were a guy dressing as a sexy Lincoln, like, I'm all in on that. But if you're talking about these sexy babies, Joe, I know you have children. Oh, you know, you you often comment, and look, I, I want to protect the other of your friends, but you'll often look at your friends and be like, you'll hang out with them and be like, boy, isn't their baby ugly? I, oh, yeah. I don't really I, – I don't understand this uh, cuteness of a baby thing. I don't know how this baby costume thing works. That's – you're – as a person who has children, like you're deep in this arena of like judging babies by their, their cuteness. 
I'm out on that. But I, I'll tell you, I what I will say, this costume would be great for open pickings day. It would be. It would be. I mean, I mean, in fact, the costumes you wear in open pickings day need to represent someone who has made a good pick at some point in their life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess a, a Midwestern open picking costume might be like that um, Joe the Plumber who famously picked to vote for John McCain over mm-hmm. Barack Obama mm-hmm. for whatever dumb reason he picked. But you know what? He picked. He picked. And he picked confidently. And like he did. On national television. I mean, it's one of the most famous picks of all time. That's right. That's right. And, and he did it. He's literally famous for picking something confidently and moronically and incorrectly, <laughs> as history came to prove. But he was correct in his confidence and his decisiveness in the pick. I wouldn't be shocked if he were a super fan of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we may find out in, in a voicemail here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have we, we put that one to bed. And now, thank you, Josh, for the voicemail. Bez. Now, as you said, before we even listen to the voicemail, we don't, what accent is Bez going to have? We don't know. It's going to be a mystery. Uh, that's going to be solved in right. very shortly. British, Spanish, also a fan of the Chargers. Maybe it's a San Diego accent. We don't know. Well, let's find out, Joe. Hi, Joe and Dan. It's Hi America's Bez here. Just want to say a massive well done on the fantastic second season. Really looking forward to season three, which will surely include three-hour episodes live-streamed on YouTube. <laughs> I'm also excited about the upcoming World Cup. I've booked three weeks off to watch the bulk of it. But in the meantime, I've got a question for both of you. Which is your favorite World Cup mascot? Personally, I like PK, the racist Mexican jalapeno. I'd like to know which one is your favorite. (laughs) And may your choices be prosperous, Bez. Hail, Joe. Joe, what, what are your favorite... World Cup mascot. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of it. what was the mascot for the 1994 U.S. Oh my World gosh! Cup? Okay, so I'm I'm looking at 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 an image of every single World Cup mascot, Dan. It is uh, pretty fantastic. Hold on, let me see if I can uh, send you this real quick without us wasting too much time on the podcast. First of all, I mean that was a British accent, right? Completely, absolutely, 100 percent. Uh, secondly, Bez sounds exactly the way I imagine and exactly the way any religion would want their first pope to sound. Yes. Look, his elocution was like top, top. I mean, thirdly, like, you know, who, who didn't vote for this guy? <laughs> I speaking, know. speaking of, speaking of Bez and I don't want to like, like, um, you know, send anyone on this guy's trail. But, you know, we've been talking about his, his candidacy and how we're supporting him. And I was a little bit worried, like, what if this dude's like an alt-right, uh, whatever the alt-right version is in England. And then I looked him up and like, you know, he, he seemed like a great candidate. He was trying to to um, to uh, uh, protect the good people of, of, I think it was Brighton, Bristol. Uh, now I don't remember. But anyway... Good for him. 
I'd support him if they did like a anti-Brexit where he was like, all of Britain is now out of the EU except for like his town, like they're back in. He seemed like a great candidate, uh, and and the fact that they oh Bolton Bolton that's right he was protecting all Bol- all Boltonians which which I think he had a good argument the current council wasn't I mean look he, he'll 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 get another shot he's gonna be prime minister one day I'm in on it and Joe what what better way to spread the good word about Joe Pick's podism than from a high position of power though from my understanding of British politics. It's in American politics, like like Donald Trump has to pretend that the Bible is his favorite book, even though he's never read it. I think if Bez were to come out and, and talk about the book of Joe, it, it's not good. I think you, you sort of have to keep religion to yourself in, in British politics. Oh, you think that his his devout being a, a devout Joe Picks potist will actually hurt his race is what you're saying. I, I think being a Joe Picks potist actually would be fine. I think he just has to be private about it. I think in, in Britain politics... Um, religion sort of isn't isn't in American politics like religion is this dumb thing where every politician has to pretend to be super Christian whether they are or not. I, I think in British politics you you don't want to do that. You you just sort of religion is just a private matter that everybody does on their own. And so it, it's actually a perfect place for a Joe Pixbotist to get into a high position of power. So look, um, I'm. I'm now looking at all of these mascots. And first of all, I mean, we should just uh, point out that uh, these mascots were like super racialized for a while. I know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you're right. PK, the, yeah, what that's... do you call it? The, the uh, racist jalapeno. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> uh, Gauchito, the, the Argentinian. Oh man! I mean, the Italia one is like not racist, but it's like, what is that? It's like a Lego guy that has a soccer ball for a head. Like, it, it seems like something I would have a nightmare about. <laughs> it does. It's like, what is that? It's like if a stick figure came to life and was like attacking you. Um, I mean, leave it to the U.S. to have like literally the most boring. I know a, car- a cartoon dog named Striker. Yeah. Um. I mean, of course, Korea, Japan has like the weirdest mascots where you're like, where, where A, it's three and B, I don't have any idea what the hell they are. Yeah. We'll have to post this picture. I mean, hopefully you can find one that's more resolute. I mean, this is like each mascot is like 50 pixels by 50 pixels, but but maybe that's just as many pixels they had in the past like World <laughs> Cups. I mean, I'm going to say my personal favorite, though, though, I mean, look, like, like just the pure weirdness of the italian mascot where like clearly clearly in italy they forgot they needed a mascot so they like they like they like strung together like 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 a tablecloth and a and a soccer ball and they're like fuck it that's our mascot yeah and they named it chow what the fuck yeah i know i mean that's clearly the one where they just they just completely phoned that one in but i do have to i i have fond memories of golio because when i went to germany it was right after the germany world cup so there was literally like 75 percent off golio stuff everywhere (laughs) and of course italy won that world cup and germany had been knocked out in the semifinals so it wasn't even like one that they like wanted to like remember yeah I think I'm going to go with uh, it. Looks like Neranito, Neranito, oh. which 
Naranja. No, no. Naranito. Yeah, that's Cause, right. Because Naranja right. is... Naranja. So, yeah. Yeah. Naranjito. Yeah. Tiny orange. It, it's hard to read the, the letters. They're so smushed together. <laughs> not to... Not to I, my Spanish pronunciation is, is normally better, but uh, it's just a giant orange with a smiley face. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And it's like, you could pretend, oh, that he's like pretending to be a soccer ball, but he's holding a soccer ball. So, like, give me a break. Oh, an orange? No. Also, the like ratio is all off because his name is Naranjito, which should mean little orange. Yet this, the size of him compared to the ball, he would be an amazingly huge orange. He's or it's a, just a very, orange. a very, very tiny ball. It also could be out of the nightmare if, like, fruit now eats you. I mean, look, as scary as Chow is, if Naranjito showed up in my nightmare, I'd be freaked the fuck out. Yeah, if they if they combine together, that's an army I don't want to be facing. I mean. And I don't even want to touch what's happening with Juanjito and Gauchito. I mean, it's, just, it's definitely fraught with some. Uh, they they were really they were really racialized back in the day. Yeah. Well, look, it was a different world back then. But look, Bez, great question. Oh wait, 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 wait! I found a second image. Naranjito has a whole family where with a wife orange and two baby oranges, <laughs> and. Are the baby oranges the size of a soccer ball? (laughs) The best part is, for some reason in this picture, the wife orange is like her arms are crossed and she's looking angrily at the dad orange. But it's not explained why. Up to no good. (laughs) This is fantastic. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Next voicemail, Joe. Thank you, Bez. I like Joe, before this podcast, you were like, it's got to be quick and surgical. (laughs) Well, we got, we're getting such great questions. I know. I know. Look, I don't care. Joe, I'll stay up until 5 a.m. This, this is my first ever Pickings Friday. I'm drinking some of my favorite beer. We're listening to these voicemails, Joe. And I love the emails, but I'm loving these voicemails, Joe. Isn't this fun? It, it is great. It's great. It's fun to hear them. And I am really excited for this one. Zeb, our Polish super fan... Uh, he oh, single-handedly I mean I think he might have stuffed the vote in the zombie poll he brought Poland back from the dead which honestly is potentially a miracle of Joe Picks Podism let's see what he has to say hi guys Zebulon here I want to start by saying that I hope that Joe and his family have a safe and enjoyable trip to Japan and South Korea uh, and I'm going to try to keep this message short as well Uh, First, though, I want to give Joe a hypothetical uh, for his World Cup team and see if it would or would not be the ideal uh, scenario for him. Joe can watch this World Cup team while eating national foods that he rated a 10 out of 10, a national drink that he rated a 10, and he can also watch them knowing that their success will irritate Vladimir Putin since he... Putin sees this nation not just as a footballing rival, but also as a geopolitical rival. I wonder where so he's Joe going has with the this, opportunity Joe. to eat national foods, which are great, eat, uh, drink a national drink, which is great, and also stick it to Putin. I think that's pretty ideal. And in keeping with Joe Pick's potism, I'm going to confidently assume that Joe will also think that's pretty ideal. 
Now, the nation to which I'm referring that Joe can pick and get these things with is, of course, Poland. Uh, if Joe chooses to root for the Biawa he will get to drink his favorite national drink, Zubrovka, and watch the Poles stick it to Putin. Now, that sounds pretty ideal, and that is why I think that po uh, Poland is the right nation for Joe. Uh, have a great day, guys. Uh, good luck with the rest of the podcast, and I hope that Joe uh, comes around and chooses Poland. See ya. I realize that some of our Poland pronunciation has been off, Dan. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, Joe, it doesn't matter. I, every time I say Zabrowka, I need to just edit out what I say and just edit in Zeb's pronunciation, <laughs> which is much better. Or he we makes, are just going to confidently pick that that's, that is what it is called. It is called Zabrowka to us. Very interesting points. Now, Joe, what is your feelings about Putin? Are you pro-Putin? Are you indifferent to Putin? Are you anti-Putin? Well, you know, no, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm anti-Putin. It's not something, yeah, I'm anti-Putin. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. I mean, stick it to Putin, Joe. Would any other nation, I'm trying to think of what nation, because Zed makes a point about Poland. Look, what, the Zabrowka is, Zabrowka created open pickings day. Like, Zabrowka is part of our religion. A Zabrowka bottle is required in a household, in every Joe Picks Pod household, which is it's clear. True. No, look, I mean, that is doctrine. But I just want to uh, look at this Putin angle. Is there any team, he makes the case for Poland, if you are anti-Putin, obviously being pro-Poland is anti-Putin. What other teams – is there another team that's more anti-Putin? Well, I mean it is – it's an interesting category. I mean we, we don't have this category. Um, but like had we had this category or maybe – I mean I, I don't think it's fully a category to think about in the um, – for the next phase of this. But – like this idea of like who would be really pissed off if this team won, like yeah. the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Like, yeah. But my point with that is that you know I think that obviously that's a great argument for Poland, but as far as I know, if I think about it, maybe like who'd be pissed off if England won? He would be pissed off, you know, like like you can go through the list and like look, I don't like Putin, but there's a lot of people I don't like. It's true. It's true. I mean, you'd have to think. They'd be upset if England won. Um, sure, probably. I think you'd probably have to be upset if Germany won. I, I Frankly, I think uh, Germany is now, like, the leading country that's, like, anti-Putin and actually, like, um, trying to make sanctions and stuff that actually means something. You know, it's not the U.S. anymore. I, I think probably the South American countries are fairly indifferent I don't know. We'd really have to to, to study the the international uh, geopolitical uh, ramifications of this. But if I were to have a category that was just based on who who it would piss off, I mean, is Putin the person who I would most pick for that? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I know you'd want to piss Rob off, but Rob is certainly he's twenty five hours behind, and he's probably not going to catch up by the time the World Cup ends. So uh, that's. Uh, yeah, that's moot. I mean, frankly, I, I look at the IP addresses of the people that subscribe. 
we've got some Russian fans, so it is possible that Putin does listen to this podcast. I mean, those are definitely bots. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's possibly bots. But you know, Joe, sometimes those bots just hide other people in Russia. Like, if Putin was an active listener, he would, of course, have, like, 20 bots that would, like, obfuscate him. I wouldn't be shocked if Putin was listening to this. Ever since we did that Russia episode, uh, you know, our our Reddit page always does have, like, 10 people on, even though not many people actually post on it. So they're always keeping, they're keeping a it's close true. eye on what's going on on the podcast. I mean, what if the next voicemail from Fernando, like, Fernando has a very strong Russian accent? Boy, Cho, what a memory of uh, of the next uh, voicemail. It's incredible. For a person that's about to get less than two hours of sleep. I mean, I'm on top of it. You are I'm on, you top are of on it. the ball. I, look, he makes a good case for Poland, Joe. I mean, you, you obviously can't make your pick now. It's Pickings Friday. Uh, uh, Picksgiving isn't for now in this, you know, we're, we're having to shorten it. But this obviously. But, but in... In in the week of pickings, of which we are already a part of, there is it is never wrong to lobby for for a pick. That's what it's all about. This is all part of the journey of Thanksgiving, and I think Zeb he makes good points. Look, we know Poland is right in the range of maybe outside Cinderella. I didn't actually include them in the outside Cinderella category. In the outside Cinderella category, because they were next at eighty to one, they're maybe in that outside Cinderella. And look, you're drinking Zabrowka, you're you're feeling one with Poland, and you're annoying Putin. He he makes good points. Look, I I think he makes great points, and if Poland goes anywhere in the next rounds of the Joe picks teams, it's going to all be because of Zeb's lobbying. So good for him. All right. Seb, thank you so much for a voicemail. And Joe, let's finish it off with Fernando. And boy, this voicemail is four minutes and 35 seconds long. So Fernan- oh, what does Fernando have to say? All right. Fernando went to town. So let's see. This this could be part of the book of Fernando, which might be a, a, a new scripture. What's up, guys? Dan, Joe, this is Fernando, your super fan from Peru. I wanted to send you my voice message before it was too late. I know that you said that you're recording tonight, so uh, hopefully you get to play it. Uh, actually, you said you're going to play it in the last episode, so hopefully you get to play it then, and if you don't play at all... Joe Picks oh, well, Pod Miracle! Um, first, congratulations on your podcast. You guys do an amazing job. Uh, it's It's hilarious. I listen to it while I'm working. And sometimes I even have to stop it because I'm laughing too hard. Uh, and I know that you said that lately you haven't been trying because you don't want any more fans and you're tired of it. So, um, well, <laughs> congratulations because apparently that hasn't been working. You're getting more fans. And actually, I got my sister uh, listening to your po- your podcast as well. So, uh, hi, Claudia, if you're listening. All right. Um, to the point of... The team, because I really want those magnets. Uh, Joe, I know that you're smart enough and you'll pick Peru. So, yes, that's my pick for your pick. And Spoiler if you're still debating whether it's not whether or not to pick Peru or if you don't have it in mind at all, I'll give you many reasons. First, there's no team 
in the World Cup that's going to celebrate or has celebrated celebrated as much as we have. For us, we already it's like we already won the World Cup. I mean, people are crazy in the streets, cannot wait. All they talk about is the World Cup. There's this uh, um, thing that people do call uh, the Panini albums. I think you talked about it, and it's sold it's sold out. Uh, it completely sold out. Jerseys have been sold out. Um, it's just crazy. I have friends that are are actually going to Peru just to be in the atmosphere. On, on that atmosphere during the World Cup because they couldn't get you know tickets to Russia, so they are going to Peru to watch the games and you know who, what other country does that you know it's it's I mean we we recently played against Saudi Arabia and Switzerland in the middle of nowhere and twenty thousand Peruvians showed up just to watch a friendly you know they the last game one of the last trainings in Lima. 45,000 people showed up <coughs> in the stadium just to watch them train. Like I, I, I guarantee you, there's no other team like, like Peru who's doing. I mean, maybe we're overdoing it a little bit, but we're just so happy to be in the World Cup. So <laughs> our players have no pressure. Pressure. We're on a 14-game winning streak. <clears throat> During that streak, we beat Croatia, we beat Iceland, we tied to Argentina, we beat Uruguay. Our last friendly is this Saturday against uh, Sweden, and I wouldn't, I I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they win. I mean, we're, hopefully we'll go into the World Cup with a 15 winning, 15 game winning streak. Oh, and also check this out: we are the unofficial world, uh, unofficial World Cup champions right now. Google this: unofficial World Cup champions. I mean, Peru has defended their title, of course, like I said, 14 times because we're in a fourth, 14 game winning streak so there you go oh last one last thing our captain paolo guerrero is back from suspension so we have a full squad don't be surprised if we get to the semifinals at least so all right man i know you're a smart guy because you like tottenham <laughs> tottenham is one of the teams that i like and the premiership oh. my team from the premiership is newcastle but tottenham has a good team oh boy uh so there you go man um again Congratulations on your podcast, Dan, Joe. You guys do a great job. Uh, oh, and one last thing before I leave to Russia, because I'm leaving to Russia next Thursday. The offer still stands. You guys need to try some Peruvian food with me before you before I leave, or maybe we can set up something before I uh, when I come back. But I cannot let you get away with saying that Belgian food is better than Peruvian food. No way. I mean, Japanese, great, ten out of ten. I agree, but no, Belgium better than Peruvian food. There's no way. All right, guys, that's my message. Keep up the good work. Bye. Wow. Wow. I mean, he makes a strong case for Peru, Dan. Joe, did you think when we started this podcast, we'd be getting four-minute-long messages from our Peruvian superfans? I mean... Yes. Yes. What I, I love so much about picks giving is this the jockeying for the the, the picking, the, the the putting in the arguments, the ceremonial I Joe, I think we might have to open up the voicemails again for maybe maybe our second episode of Picks Giving, because this has been so much fun to listen to the superfans really. We've we've heard a lot of the superfans talking up their teams and look. We're on the Germany episode. 
Fernando's- well, especially, I mean, Dan, this this Picksgiving week is going to be so full of picking. I mean, we are going to have to be podcasting. I, I mean, just obviously we'll talk about it later, but, you know, there's going to be three more episodes this week before we get to a final pick. We're picking on Monday. No, on Sunday. On Sunday. On Sunday. Then on Monday. Then on Wednesday. Tuesday. Then on Tuesday. We're, we're, Picks giving three days in a row? Yeah, I mean, and then Tuesday night, you know, release for 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 early, you know, early picks giving on Wednesday will be wow. the final episode, the and World I have Cup my, episode. I have my court case on Tuesday, so boy, <laughs> if I win my court case on Tuesday, I'm going to have such a rush of adrenaline for that final episode of, of picks giving Eve. As it were, because it will be the eve for us, and we'll post it the next morning. I'm uh, boy. I mean, look, Fernando made such a good case, but it we, we, you just have to ruminate on it, Joe. That's just going right in that brain. I it it is a great case, and uh, and I hope that the Peruvian fans are as excited about. Uh, qualifying for the next round of the Joe Picks a World Cup team as they are about qualifying for the World Cup itself. The one thing I was a little disappointed was he said they've already won. You got to set the sights higher, baby. I mean, then he said they're going to make it to the semifinals, which is, you know, that's confident. That's that's Joe Picks bodism at its heart. They might. Yeah. You never know. All right. Well, those were awesome, Dan. We we definitely need to keep those open. Absolutely. Voicemail... you know, Joe, we're doing this podcast. I'm feeling so happy that I'm finally healthy after like this two and a half week sinus infection that made me think I had a brain tumor. And now I'm pretty sure I don't and feel healthy again. And I'm very happy. It, it, another Joe Picks Pod miracle. This Pickings Friday has been so fun. And I admit, I don't even want to say I admit that. It even sounds like a negative. These voicemails were so cool. This was awesome. I mean, when we do this podcast, there's so much work. It's so terrible. I've spent so many hours today getting all this stuff prepped. <laughs> but those voicemails, it's just so fun to hear people talk about our podcast. And, on and about our podcast, the teams they love. Yeah, Absolutely. That was that was really fun. That voicemail line is definitely going to be open. What I was going to say before is we've heard people supporting their teams, which I love. But I think later in Picksgiving, I would really like to hear – people insult the other teams i mean it is it is um part part of Thanksgiving tradition that that you try and denigrate any other choice that you're not lobbying for absolutely agreed and especially after tonight when we cement the bracket i mean by the end of this episode joe this is like this is crazy by the end of this episode we'll have the entire bracket cemented of what teams oh, are I, in i already have I already have a whole bunch of ideas for that. So oh. let's just put a pin in that. Okay? Put a pin in that. And we've listened to the voicemails. Boy, we've done the emails. That was so fun, Joe. And for the last time. Whew. Our last trip. You know, the the thing about this is it's so annoying for all of the times. It's like the first five episodes are really fun. And then the next, like, 25 are terrible. And then the last five, I, I like, I'm missing it, Joe. For the last time, let's let's go to Homeland Handbook. Hey, 
Germany. The people. A German, a group of Germans who are all German. The official language. German. <laughs> Religions. Roman Catholic, 29%. Protestant, 27%. Muslim, 4.4%. None or members of unrecorded religious groups. Could be us, Joe. Could be Joe Pixpodism. 36%. The capital city is, of course, the one city in Germany I have not been to. Berlin. Joe. Germany exports many things. It's a powerhouse economy. <coughs> Uh-huh. One of the uh-huh. top in the world. But what do you think their chief export is? I am going to confidently say that it is cars. Boy, that was really loud. But yes, <laughs> I don't know if I turned the volume up on that accidentally. But wow, Joe, you are dead on. So... Their number one export is cars. Their number two export is other heavy machinery because most of German exports are based in their engineering prowess, especially machinery, automobiles, chemical goods, and metals. And you know, Joe, if you take the number two and number three exporters of cars, which would be Japan, which we did last week, and the U.S., that still isn't as many car exports as Germany. They not only export to Europe and Asia, but they also export over 700,000 vehicles to the United States every year. Or, as Donald Trump said about this issue, quote, The Germans are bad. Very bad. Look at the millions of cars that they sell in the U.S. Terrible. We're going to stop that. (laughs) Great, great argument. Now, I would like to note, A... He says, look at the millions of cars they sell in the U.S., which is true. However, uh, the vast majority of German cars sold in the U.S. are actually built in the U.S. BMW and other German car manufacturers have factories all throughout the United States. And in fact, most of the German car manufacturers are deep in the heart of Trump country, including their biggest factory, which is in South Carolina. And it's a dumb argument anyways. But what can you say? That's our president. That's why we're not in the World Cup, Joe. Exactly. This is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. Now, there are 32 countries in the World Cup, Joe. We've done and cataloged 31 of them. But there's one slot not taken. You're three for four tonight on this Pickings Friday. Make it... Four out of four, Joe. Where does Germany rank out of those 32 teams in the World Cup? Will it be a Picksgiving miracle, Dan? I don't, I, think, am, I don't think we need to use a Picksgiving miracle on this. I believe you can get this, Joe. I believe they are number four. Joe, we have a thing in Picksgiving that I like to refer to as the Picksgiving mulligan. Okay. okay okay now joe we've already done number four remember joe that the world cup countries there are some big countries in there like for example number four was mexico with 130 million people remember how we talked about how two of the largest 10 countries in the world were in north america 
So, four is taken. We did okay. five last week, Joe. Uh-huh. We did six last week. Uh-huh. Okay. So, I just want to just get this off the, the bat. Four is Mexico. Got it. Five we did last week, Japan. Uh-huh. Six yes. we also did last week, Egypt. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, we've got a Pigsgiving mulligan. Okay. Dan, look. Pigsgiving is all about picking with confidence. I'm sticking with number four. <laughs> I have never seen such a thing. All right. Indirecto, indirecto. Uh-huh. Ah! No, 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 Joe. Joe. No. Much as our voicemails are trying to feed you or direct you to a a clue, you did not you did not pick up on what I was saying, Joe, that the biggest country in the World Cup was Brazil at number one. The number two biggest was Nigeria at number two. Number three was Russia. Number four was Mexico. Number five was Japan. Number six was Egypt that we did last week. And yes, sitting at number seven is Germany. With a population of 82 million people, they are the 16th biggest country in the world. Seventh overall. You almost had it, Joe. You almost had the four out of four. But it 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 was elusive. I you know, you know, I regret nothing. <laughs> Look, you picked with confidence. And I frankly I think it was a moral victory, Joe. I think it was yep. a moral victory that you stuck with your gut, even yep. when you knew you were wrong. Yep, that's right. That's right. Now let's let's just get into this. Germany at the World Cup, Joe. As I said in the intro, the the numbers are just staggering. It's just unbelievable how unbelievable this team is. So it's not just about... So again, Brazil has won more World Cups than them. They've only won four times. But what's unbelievable about this German team is the consistency. So Brazil sort of has up years, sort of has down years. Germany only has up years. Now, they don't always win the World Cup, and maybe their highest high isn't as high as, say, the Brazilian, but they've just the fact that they've made it out. The last time they didn't make it out of the first round was 1938. They've made it out of the first round in every single World Cup from 1954 to now. I mean, like, whatever statistic I give you about the odds of coming out of the group. They've made it out of the group, or obviously back then they did like they've messed with the World Cup about what it means to get out of the group so many times in the past whatever 70 years. But whatever the rules are, Germany does it. They're unbelievable. They've, of course, qualified for every single World Cup. They've won it four times 1954, they won it in 1974 at home. Then they won 1990. Then they won in 2014. Of course, they're the defending champions of the last World Cup. They've won uh, at least one game in every single World Cup, except for 1938, the second World Cup they entered. 
They've won at least two games. <laughs> just, just unbelievable numbers. They've won at least two games in every single World Cup at, except for two of them. I mean, if the United States wins two games in a World Cup, that is like an unbelievable World Cup. Germany has won two in every single World Cup yeah. except for two of them. They've won three games in every single World Cup since 1982. It's unbelievable. I, the only thing you could say about Germany up until 2014 is they're these this unbelievable great team, but they just don't win. And other, you know, from 1994 to 2010, it was very many high finishes. Third place finish, third place finish, second place finish, but they couldn't get. They couldn't get that championship team, but they did it in 2014. There's just no doubt about it. There are two elite teams in world footballing. It's going to be probably these two teams forever for for the next 50 years. I don't see any reason why it would change. It's been, frankly, it's been this way for the last 50 years. There's Brazil and Germany, Brazil and Germany, Brazil and Germany. I, I, I honestly, I mean, what? What do you think could happen that could change that? I mean, I think, I think over time, I think it will change. I think that, uh, that, that look, I mean, it it cannot be that these two countries are going to dominate the sport for the next 50, 60 years. But they have for the last 50 years. I know, but it, it was such a static thing, but like, like eventually, I mean Germany. I don't, I don't know the answer with Germany. I mean Brazil. I think it's sort of that like that thing that we've talked about many times on the show. That like the size of a country matters a lot when you're talking about talent pool. And Brazil has like the combination of like the passion and the interest in the sport that Uruguay has, but then with like ten times as many people yeah. um, to choose from. Uh, so obviously Brazil is going to be amazing. Germany, I don't really quite know, you know, and we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but, um, but you have to think that like over time, like, you know, China has like a huge emerging, uh, you know, national, um, soccer league that is becoming like very popular and sort of doing the same thing that, that MLS has been trying to do, but like better and faster. America will eventually become a soccer powerhouse. And, th- and these are gigantic countries compared to you know you know germany at least um so i mean you would think that that dominance has to end at some point wow i disagree but i mean germany is <laughs> the one thing of, they're just so good and that you know this is their national sport and this is how i mean they're like they're also it, good at all, all these olympic sports too but like it's also weird too that like even when germany was split up into east and west germany they were still good just separately well, actually, I looked that up because I, I I thought that was the the case, but East Germany actually was pretty bad. West Germany was was really good. So it's those West Germans, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, West Germany was always the good Germany, but. <laughs> uh, anyways, just look. World Cup history is the the only country that has any comparison is Brazil, and uh, Brazil also has qualified for every single World Cup, and and Brazil has five titles to their four but again brazil has not had this level of consistency you know they've as i said in the intro germany's made it to the final more times than brazil 
and Germany has qualified out of that first round every single World Cup since 1954, which Brazil cannot match. So it's just, I mean, for a U.S. fan, it's just, like, unbelievable. Like, this is, like, U.S. at world basketball. But, like, even the U.S. slipped up in, in the Olympics. And, you know, I don't uh, I don't remember what year it was when the, the team was terrible. Like, Germany just does not slip up. And there's no better example yeah. of that than in qualifying. Whereas I said their overall statistics is they've played 94 games of qualifying and they've only lost twice. Which is insane because they're qualifying in Europe. And you'd think a pot two team in Europe could take a game off Germany at home occasionally. But no, it just doesn't happen. So they're the number one seed coming out of Europe. They're put in pot one. They or the top of pot one. They go in the group C with the Czech Republic, Northern Iowa, Norway, Azerbaijan, and San Marino. And what <laughs> the domination is unbelievable. Nobody scored a goal. Nobody scored a goal on Germany until the fifth game when Azerbaijan snuck in a goal. They went four full games without conceding a match. They won all ten games. They had 43 goals on their side and only conceded four goals. Their only close match was a 2-1 win at the Czech Republic. Otherwise, they won every game by at least two goals. The one thing I do want to highlight in this group, though, that I really had fun in the research looking this up. Poor San Marino. So apparently (laughs) San Marino is a country of uh, 33,000 people. They played 10 games. They had 10 losses. I would mention that Germany crushed them 8-0 and then 7-0 and talking about Germany's greatness, but everybody crushed them. I mean, Norway crushed them Uh, 8-0. They're just... A bad team. They finished with a goal differential in 10 games of negative 48. But this is my favorite fact. And this is amazing, Joe. They scored more own goals, three, than actual (laughs) goals, two. They scored three own goals and two actual goals. And so I was searching on the internet to figure out if I was the first person that noticed this amazing factoid. And I was. Kudos to me. But as in my searching, I found another thing. There's an entire website devoted to, like, San Marino facts, soccer facts. And there's another fact, there's another record they have that's amazing, that in a game in 2010, they became the first team ever to have twins each score an own goal. So, he scored an own goal. So, oh my god! In a six-nil loss to Sweden in 2010, they had twin players on their team, each individually score an own goal, and they are the only team in international footballing history to have twins each put one in their own net. So, boy, I mean, there's something going on there if they're scoring that many own goals. Like it's it's even for a terrible team, it's sort of not common, right? It, it that's a lot of own goals. And and I did, like, look up one of the own goals. I, I think part of it is just that the goalkeeper is so bad. So, like, the, the own goal that was scored in one of the ones I saw was just, like, the ball was coming in and the defender sort of heads it towards the goal and it bounces in the goal. And the, the Swedish player sort of, like, sheepishly grins because it's, like, such a dumb own goal to score. <laughs> 
But it's because the goalie is like so far out of position. Like it's a it's a country of thirty three thousand people. Like the goalie is terrible. Like imagine how many eligible people must be for the team. So cut out half the population who probably aren't men. Cut out half the population who are probably either too young or too old or maybe even, there are probably like a thousand people that can play, and so they just find the best person. There, There is, like, some random person that has the skill level of, like, you or I that is playing goalie against, like, the German <laughs> national team. Like, I, I guarantee you Germany could have probably won, like, 20 to nothing. They're just not trying. Yeah, I, yeah no, I mean, it, it makes me wonder. So, like, you know, we had a co-rec team for a long time, and, you know, my friend Jose was a pretty decent goalie, you know, for us. I mean, he, he was... He he got to the point where he was pretty good. I wonder, like, if if Jose became a naturalized citizen of San Marino, like, would he immediately be their goalkeeper? I think he'd definitely be like on the twenty man roster, no doubt. I, I I don't know if he'd make the uh, make the starting spot. There there might be some like nepotism, especially if these like twins are on the team. You know, who knows like exactly how the uh, for. The the coach might be like the twins' father, you know. Who knows? Maybe maybe they couldn't field a full roster, so it's not twins. It's just, it's the same person. They just have him switching jerseys. Like <laughs> there's not enough people, so they're like, you get out there, cover the left and right back. It would explain. I mean, it does take some proclivity to score an own goal. Like, it, I think they should go into these matches and just be like, all right, this qualifying thing, we're not going to score any own goals. That's right. that's what we're going to do. Let them score as many goals as they want. Whatever. But none of them are going to come from us. Whatever. But um boy, it's just funny that they're to, just to see such two poor opposites <laughs> in the same group. But anyways, I mean, uh, Germany demolished everybody. Uh they would have been the first team to qualify from UEFA and uh, they were like a guarantee, but uh they they tied with England and and it's just only because the, of the how the second and third place teams are doing. And this was a particularly easy group. So so actually the second place team that finished in the group, Northern Ireland actually still made it to the um, second round where they eventually didn't qualify. But, um, you know, Germany just blew through the group. And now they made it to the World Cup, Joe. And they find themselves in Group F, which not the least of which due to their presence is referred to as the Group of Death. So, what teams do we have in here? We actually haven't covered this in a while. We've got Germany, of course, at the top of the group. Very heavy favorites to win. 70% chance to win. Near 85% chance to advance, although based on the recent betting odds, I've got them at 90%. Then Mexico. 14% chance to win. 45% chance to advance. And Sweden. Another real contender, 12% chance to win, 45% chance to advance. And then finishing it out is South Korea, another a team that's made it all the way to the uh, quarterfinal, or to the semifinals, rather, in 2002. And they're at the bottom of the group. They're the worst team in the group, 5% chance to win, 25% chance to advance. So, I mean, look, this is a top, top, top team, but this is a brutally tough group, but still... And the order of their matches, I think, is quite interesting. They open up against Mexico, which is going to be a must-see match. 
Because That's an awesome game. Yeah, this is Mexico is the the second favorite team based on the betting odds, just slightly over Sweden. But both teams are coming out. Both teams have a lot to prove. You know, Germany wants to come out and put on that early win, and Mexico is going to be. Boy, if Mexico could finish that game with a draw against Germany, they are in great position in the group. Then they play Sweden in the second match. Another unbelievable match. So Germany is going to be playing the top two teams and guaranteed to be playing for something, which is really exciting. Then they finish off against South Korea. Uh, Their odds of of making it through to the knockout round, uh, between 85-90%. Odds of making the quarterfinals, 65%. Semifinals, 45%. Just unbelievable numbers. Odds of making the final, 30%. (laughs) Odds of winning the World Cup, 15%. Puts their overall odds at 4.75 to 1, as we talked about in the last episode. They are currently the second highest odds, a little bit behind Brazil. But, you know, a month ago, they were the highest odds. So it's obviously going back and forth, depending on how these two teams are doing in their friendlies and whatnot. But but you're not going to find uh, a more top, top, top team in the World Cup than this one. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the challenge is, is Germany just too good? Are they just too good to pick? And, like, picking them is just a totally boring choice because... I mean, they are the what, defending champions. And and if they were to win, it it, like, like what like moment of excitement is there. I mean, obviously if you're a German fan, it's huge. So, but, but, but they are, you know, I mean, if we talk about one side of the sweet spot is teams that are just not, not good enough and not going to make it far enough. Germany will make it far, but each step of the progression won't feel like a huge victory. It'll feel like what's expected. Yeah. The only thing, as I said in the intro, and I do think this is, is, is something if they win, and this is a storyline that, that could potentially... I don't know if the bracket... I, I don't have the magnet set. I don't know if Brazil and Germany could meet in the final based on the, the way the bracket is. But if Germany wins the World Cup, they will essentially have, have taken the historic top spot in the World Cup basically throughout history. They will They will be the greatest country in the history of the World Cup. Whereas if Brazil wins... Or even if Brazil goes further than Germany, I think Brazil still holds on to the title. So, really, the the basically long term, uh, you know, um, measuring of of these two teams is up for grab. But other than that, you're right. You know, that's it. If they win, there's there's no more exciting storyline before that. There's no Cinderella. There's no underdog. There's no there's no real celebration. It's it would just be German. Uh, validation of the ethos of 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 what it is to be German, right, 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 exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I think I think obviously, like, there's no doubt that they're good. There's no doubt that they are um, have a great history and an amazing footballing history. Uh, it is just a little bit like it does take some of the wind out of a potential victory. When you compare it to even a, a good team like a team like England, if they were to win, it would be amazing. It would be such an amazing storyline. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to say three out of ten. Three out of ten. Wow, a very low score. Just but too good. I think it's fair. You, you, I was looking at Brazil. You gave Brazil a six, but I think Brazil has a redemption storyline. They do. And and you're totally. right. I'm just envisioning in my head. Imagine a match again. I don't have the bracket in front of me. I don't know who can play, but imagine. England versus Germany. 
Like, how could that match be framed any other way other than the, like, underdog, perpetual disappointing team against sort of, and I, I'm using this in, like, a positive way, not in the, like, negative way, against, like, the evil empire who's just like... Right, right, exactly. And I think every Germany match will sort of be framed that way. All right, Dan. You ready to get into these categories? Look, Joe, I'm, I'm full of energy on this Pickings Friday. You're the one who's <laughs> running out of steam. No, no, no. No, I'm great. Category four, Dan. Whew. Top player to watch. And, Joe, oh. you know this is going to be good. You know, Superfan David has been waiting. He's been... He he's suffered through 31 other stupid teams so he could pick out some unknown person that nobody's ever heard of on this German squad. Because you know, he knows not only everybody on the starting 11, he knows all the backups, he knows all the people who didn't make the goddamn team. But here we go. Marco Reus, who plays on Dortmund, 28 years old. He's a winger. I'm taking some liberty here. Germany has great young players such as Leroy Sané, recently voted best young Premier League player of the year, Timo Werner, who has good chances of securing the striker spot in Germany's starting lineup, and Leon Gorzica, silver boot and bronze ball winner of the 2017 Confederation Cup. However, Marco Reyes is an incredibly exciting player that has missed the last World Cup in Euro due to injury. He's very fast, has great dribbling skills, and awesome technique which also translates into great shooting and scoring abilities. After every major injury, ACL, broken ankle, etc., he comes back and immediately contributes. Most recently, six goals and three assists in nine appearances. And nine goals in 29 appearances for Germany. If he stays healthy, he could be the X-factor for one of the tournament's favorites. In FIFA 18, skill 85, potential 85, which David says too low, and he gives a nine out of ten. He wants to give higher. David yearns to give him a perfect ten out of ten. He desires it so much, but he says due to his twenty-eight years of age, which, as we know, Joe, as people in our mid-thirties, is ancient at twenty-eight. He's it too, is. It is. He's too old to to get that ten, so he has to settle for I mean, a I nine. Agree. I agree. Because David, David does. I mean, David's sweet spot is those young players. He, he loves he, the young he wanted, players. He wanted to pick out a 19-year-old here. He wanted to pick some super young player they've ever... But, you know, the problem with Germany is that the super young players are just not going to make the team. Like, there's just too much quality talent. That's why, I mean, it's a shame that Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, failed so spectacularly with the U.S. men's national team. Because the idea of saying... Germany is so good that even the, even the like, the U.S. team can't hope to get people as good as the the starting eleven for Germany. Yeah. Uh, or the next thirty or forty or so players who are good enough to like think that they might make the squad one day. Yeah. I thought but we got that one guy. That's that's what I mean. That's what Klinsmann did. Is he said? But if you look below that layer, there's like the like. Players who are like the 50th or like even 75th or 90th best player in Germany, those are the guys 
that you can entice away yeah. because they're they're just never going to make the national team. I would ever. also like to say, you said before Jurgen Klinsmann failed so miserably. I'd like to say Jurgen Klinsmann succeeded greatly before he failed so miserably. So he he that the 2014 World Cup was awesome. We were we were one fucking Wondolowski shot away for knocking Belgium out, which would have been so awesome. Yeah. I don't know. You should. There's a really good article on the Ringer yeah, about the yeah. whole U.S. I, debacle. I just saw it was like 40 pages. I, 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 yeah, but it 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 really puts Klinsman's failure into a lot of uh, perspective. Ugh. I, it was just so long, and I, it's like the worst thing to read. You don't want to read about the like miserable failure of your. It's important though. You have to. You Ugh. have to. You have to look in the mirror on this stuff. Ugh. Uh, yeah, it's looking is in the da- mirror part of Joe Pick's bodism. David's David's worked so hard for us all all these months, giving us players, never never failing, as as far as I can remember, to give us a player. So uh, look, look, we'll give it a nine out of ten for him. Throw him a bone. Just pass he's that rating it. right on. Pass the rating right on. If he's or nothing else, it's the right to make this rating for us. Okay, next up, Category 9. Category 9. System of government, head of state. I don't think we've got the head of state here, but look. We we all, we're familiar with the Merkel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're Merk heads. Merkel. We're, 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 um... Merkians, Mer- no Angelinos. Mm. Oh, but it's like, but it's like Angela, Angela, Angelinos, Angelinos, Merk lovers, Merkel lovers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Thanks to Superfan Bez. Germany is Europe's most industrialized. And boy, we heard from Bez earlier. How fun was that? That was great. Germany is Europe's most industrialized and populous country, famed. For its technological achievements, it has also produced some of Europe's most celebrated composers, philosophers, and poets. Achieving national unity later than other European nations, Germany quickly caught up economically and militarily before defeats in the last two world wars left it shattered, facing the difficult legacy of Nazism and divided between Europe's Cold War blocs. Germany rebounded to become the continent's economic giant and a prime mover of European cooperation. With the end of the Cold War, the two parts of the country were once again united, although the economy of the former East continues to lag behind the rest of the country. Germany is a democratic, federal, parliamentary republic, and power is vested in the Bundestag, no, Bundestag, the Parliament of Germany, and the Bundesrat, the representative body of the Lander, Germany's regional states. The well-respected Christian Democrat Angela Merkel... Angela Merkel, as you say, Germany's first female chancellor, has governed since 2005 in a coalition with either the liberal Free Democrats or center-left Social Democrats, but suffered a setback at the 2017 elections as the populist anti-immigrant Alliance for Germany, the AFD, surged into third place. The AFD exploited social tensions over the arrival of more than a million people from the Middle East, West Asia, and Africa after Miss. Merkel offered asylum to refugees fleeing turmoil in Syria in the autumn of 2015. After attempts to build a government with the Free Democrats and left-leaning Greens failed, 
Ms. Merkel reassembled a grand coalition with the much-weakened Social Democrats. Angela Merkel became the leader of the Christian Democrat Union in 2000 after a party-funding scandal that tainted her longtime mentor, former Chancellor Helmut Kohl. Despite its fantastic progress since the Second World War, the reemergence of the far-right movement is seriously troubling. Yeah, that is seriously troubling. I mean, you you have to um, give Germany credit for, as it seemed like every election and every vote was falling to right-wing populists, that Germany, like, held out. Uh, hey, give a nod to France, too. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally. But it was like, those were, Germany and France were some, some electoral moments where you're like, it, like, you know, uh, uh, is it just going to be like this everywhere? Yeah, but I mean, I have to say Germany is doing a little bit worse than France because I I was looking this up and the the far right party is like, they're still a minority, but they're gaining seats and people were, um, basically they're. It's it's just they're doing the exact type of stuff that like Donald Trump does, where they're like pulling up aspects of history, and they're it, it's just so frustrating to even talk about this because it's just what Donald Trump does is just this such shallow bullshit that's so annoying. But they're like, we must respect the valor of the German troops in the World Wars, which is like fine, like obviously the German troops are just people who are just trying to do what they were doing. But, like, what they actually did was horrible, and it's it's just dumb. It, it creates these—it's these, uh, it, just like the, the argument about kneeling for the NFL. It just creates arguments that are, like, unwinnable because right. one side just sees it from some perspective, and just bringing it up just creates this no-win argument. And anyways, a lot of German people are frustrated by the far-right movement, but— Again, there's there's the minority of the population that's that's energized by it, and um, it is growing in Germany. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I think that that what we talked about it earlier. Uh, you know, Germany is sort of in many ways the um, the the powerhouse behind the EU. They're the sort of counterpoint to Putin uh, in Europe. So. Just the role that they play, and obviously agree with Bez and what you're saying about like it is not great the sort of right wing populist movement that's growing there. Um, but um, I do think that German Germany's stability has been pretty important on the world stage right now, and uh, you know it seems like they figured a lot of shit out in terms of governance. Uh, so I'm going to say seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah. It, and again, the United States is run by essentially a far right populist. Like right. Germany is still run by a very moderate, moderate yeah. good, strong leader who again is not like giving into this bullshit. Like Correct. Yes. Still letting refugees in and again, they're like, uh, one refugee does a terrorist attack, but that's ignoring the like million who are in this fucking civil war. And that that now have like an opportunity. Like your parents were refugees. Like the United States is no longer letting people like that in for these right, stupid right, right. concerns. Whereas Germany is, and they should get so much credit for that. All right, Dan. Category three. All right, food and couponing, Joe. 
Hey, thanks to Fair and Emeritus Emily, Germany has Groupon. And that, look, Joe, they're currently running a 50% off ticket to El Dorado Templin, where they advertise it's, quote, the place where cowboy and Indian dreams come true. Well, wow, it sounds like Love Westworld. It. No spoilers. So, yeah. Boy, you've got a lot in store in season two, Joe. Germany uses old world techniques of food preservation through salting, smoking, curing, or pickling, and is still a common way of preparing fish, meats, and vegetables. Just look at the popular dishes of mock jace, pickled herring, sour broughton, roast beef cured in vinegar and wine, and also consider the national dish alongside bratwurst sausages and sauerkraut. Some common ingredients in German cuisine are white asparagus, potatoes, cabbage, radishes, mushrooms, gherkins, pork, game, <laughs> game, boy, could be a lot of things, fish, and various types of breads. Fun facts. An asparagus field was often a valuable part of a woman's dowry in earlier centuries. Start your day with Fuhstuk, breakfast, which are fresh rolls or soft pretzels in the south, various cold deli meats, soft-boiled eggs, mild sliced cheese, jam, butter, and of course, coffee. Although breakfast is substantial, lunch is always the main meal of the day and is similar in portion size to an American dinner. It is a hot meal, usually consisting of a protein in the form of meat or fish, a typical potato-based starch, salad, and sometimes a cooked vegetable. Some dishes include rouladin, a food that involves wrapped thinly slices of meat, usually beef but also veal or pork, around a filling of bacon or pork belly, chopped onions, pickles, and usually mustard. Spatzel is especially popular. <laughs> Boy, Tony's going to be so mad at me. He speaks a little German. Spatzel? I don't know what it is. Uh, these noodles... You need to sound much angrier when you pronounce it in German. Spatzel is especially yeah, popular. Good. These noodles are made from wheat flour and egg and are often topped with cheese. And by the way, I, instead of saying Tony, I should talk about how David's going to be upset and, of course, Yannick. <laughs> uh, these noodles are made from wheat flour and egg and are often served topped with cheese. Kaiser Spatzel, rather like macaroni and cheese. Unlike in the U.S., the German dinner is called... Abendbrot, meaning evening bread, is modest and served cold. The meal includes thinly sliced bread, deli meats, cheeses, and vegetables. While we know potatoes descended from Peru, the Germans used the crop in a host of foods like the world-famous German potato salad, Kartoffelpuffer, are shallow pan-fried pancakes made from grated or ground potatoes mixed with flour, egg, onion, and seasoning. We think of them as latkes. And German potato dumplings, Kartoffelpuffer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I just did the American thing where I just read the first part and just pretended I knew the rest. Kartoffelnodel or Kartoffel, close, are sometimes filled with meats or fruits. Guten Appetit. Oh my god, I remember when we were in Germany just trying to like say the name of the place we were trying to go to like a cab driver was so hard. And like they all speak English, but you still have to pronounce the name of like the museum or whatever in German because it doesn't like there's no English word for it, right? So you could say I want to go to, and you just saying that word, they'd be like, "What are you saying?" Yeah. And then you like, and then you like, you're like, "I'm trying to read this," and then just you point to it, and they'd be like, "Oh," and it's just it's impossible. I'll never forget my favorite night in Germany. Really, any time I was ever in Germany was when Tony and I were just out drinking. 
in one of the beer gardens. And we were just, you know, drinking our steins, having a good time. And then there was just a guy drinking alone. And, you know, we had had some steins and went over and, like, started hanging out with him. And he was German but spoke, like, fluent English. And, you know, we were having a good time. And we were just like, hey, let's go out and keep, you know, drinking and partying. But he he spoke, he was German. He spoke fluent German. So we were just going to, like, restaurants. And he was just doing all the talking. We were going yeah. to bars and he was doing all the talking. And it, it made me realize, like, if you are with somebody who, like, is bilingual like that, it is just so amazing because, you know, you can get by, like, mispronouncing things or, like, looking up. But when you have somebody who can actually, like, you know, communicate with everybody in the, like, casual way that you want to, to, like, get... I mean, we were, like, at a bar and there were, like, girls, like, hanging out with us and they were, like... It was uh, it was unbelievable. Like it was um it, it it just made me realize, you know, how fun these these countries are and especially like when we go visit them, how much you like miss out by not being like a fluent speaker and um boy, Germany's a great fucking place. It is. It really is. Um so on the food, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with a place that is known for bratwurst potatoes and uh i mean giant pretzels dan come on love those giant pretzels boy you had me at bratwurst cut the sausage yeah. everything is so good uh so yeah i like german food you know really i mean because the only place we went in germany was munich like our exposure was more to bavarian food but everything emily was describing sound great sounds great uh I also, you know, I, I, I imagine with their efficiency that they would be a very high, um, high, high adopters of, of couponing. You'd think, I mean. And it seems to be the case. They've got Groupon. I, I, I think I definitely, I'm trying to think, we went to some go-karting place and I feel like we had a deal there. I feel like they love the coupon. See? Well, I mean, yeah, coupons are very efficient. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is a seven and a half out of ten. Seven and a half. Wow. I mean, may your choices be prosperous, but I, I, I think it might be a little high, but I don't mind. Look, I, I love, I love German food, but I, I do put it a, a tier below. I think some some other yeah but i think i i give him a little bit of, uh, of a boost for the couponing though for sure all right fair. I mean, remember this is food and coupon look you love price discrimination you're, yeah, you're all about right. it that's one tenant of joe picks podism like we're like scientology the more you pay the better you know you're you're going to a higher level of of the great podcast in the sky absolutely okay category 11 dan if you pay us nothing you're getting one of those crap episodes <laughs> Not one of these three-hour ones. Hey, Joe, less than three hours and counting until your flight. Category 11. National Anthem, thanks to fan emeritus Tony PhD. The Deutschland lead, English Song of Germany, German, oh, whatever, I already mispronounced it. Also known as Das Lied der Deutschen, or the Song of the Germans, or part of it, 
has been the national anthem of Germany since 1922, except in East Germany, yada, yada, yada. The music is the hymn, Gott ihr Haltle Franz den Kaiser, written in 1797 by the Austrian composer Joseph Hayden as an anthem for the birthday of Francis II, Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire and later of Austria. In 1841, the German linguist and poet August Heinrich Hoffmann, God, this guy's name is so long. The German linguist and poet August Heinrich Hoffmann von Fallersleben wrote the lyrics of Das Lied der Deutschen. Lyrics. Hoffman's text has a distinctly revolutionary and at the same time liberal connotation, since the appeal for a unified Germany was most often made in connection with demands for freedom of the press and other civil rights. A year after writing it, he lost his job and was forced into hiding. Ouch. Not so fun facts. There are three stanzas in the anthem. The first stanza is closely associated with the Nazi regime after it was sung by thousands of people at the 1936 Olympics. Singing this version today is highly inappropriate. Like last year, when the U.S. Tennis Association mistakenly did this to a uh, U.S. Open match between the U.S. and Germany. Wow. Uh, Not a U.S. Open match, a a match between the U.S. and Germany. Oof. The second stanza has also been criticized as chauvinistic about how German women will inspire them to noble deeds. The third Mm -hmm. stanza Mm -hmm. is now the only one that is sung and is the official anthem. And look, in... This podcast trying to save time so you can get some sleep before your flight. This comes in at a a short 77 seconds, so let's hear it. Oh, that's beautiful. That was a long 70 seconds, I would say. I saw you took a micro nap halfway through. I mean, you know I'm the king of the micro nap. (laughs) But, I mean, how many stanzas of your national anthem do you have to lose before you're like, let's just get a new one? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think, I mean, again, it's in German, so I don't know what they're saying. But I feel like you don't want your anthem to be like shorter than a minute because you can't even have anything in there. I think if if that one stanza can cut the mustard, I think that's all you need. Again, I don't know what they're saying, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Considering yeah, I mean, it's... it didn't seem 
yeah, I mean, if they're taking out chauvinistic stuff and taking out the Nazi references, then <laughs> what what's saying. left? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if your other things, if your other stanzas have to be eliminated for that reason, like this one probably is pretty <laughs> innocuous, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's probably about, you know, fields of asparagus. <laughs> um, or a delicious beer, like the one that I'm drinking now and enjoying. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's not the worst we've heard. It's not the best we've heard. I like that it's short. And I like that at least, okay, this is one thing I will say to give them credit for something. And I think this will come up with atrocities too. At least with Germany, like they are thoughtful about what is going on. Yeah. Like they are taking things and they're saying, you know what, this, this is part of our heritage, but it's not a part of our heritage we want to continue to celebrate. So we're going to remove it from the national anthem. And that is something that should be rewarded. Yeah. Six and a half out of ten. Six and a half. I guarantee you, if you could like put stuff, if if the president had the power to like change the Pledge of Allegiance, Donald Trump would put something like chauvinistic in there. Oh yeah, he'd be like, you know, I like it. It's not misogynistic yeah, enough. Yeah, we need a little bit more. You know, something that objectifies women. You know, can we talk about how beautiful my daughter is? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great, great, Dan. Look at what's coming up next. It's category six. Ooh. Category six, Joe. Fan culture. This is exciting. All right. Let's start with, well, we've got Yannick, of course. He's been waiting for this. But uh, let's first, let's hear what Bez has to say. A little amuse-bouche, if you will. Me and the boys went to the 2006 World Cup in Germany. The fans over there are incredible. Welcoming, fun, and passionate. We met a bunch of random German fans in a fan park, and they ended up letting us stay a few nights and hosted World Cup parties most evenings. Huge respect to the wonderful people of Germany, but he still hopes they get knocked out in the group stage. Well, that was a that was a heel turn. That's, that's well, not what I thought wow. he'd say. It's really going a different direction yeah. there. If they did get knocked out in the group stage, it'll be the first time in uh, 16 consecutive mm-hmm. World mm-hmm. Cups. Mm-hmm. Anyways, here's what Yannick has to say, what he's been waiting for. He, he's written a scribe here. The media tries to give the national team a corporate identity, so they started calling the national team Die Mannschaft, which basically means the team in German. This is so stupid. Never call them Die Mannschaft. All right, I won't. In recent I years, wasn't planning on it, but now, I just, now that's all I want to call them. Yeah, I, I don't even want to. All right. <laughs> In recent years, German fans are spoiled as fuck. We don't only expect to win, we just want to know how many goals we can celebrate. Lou is an awesome coach. We really love him. We just don't understand why he chooses mediocre players over good ones. Some players like Götze and Schurl play like shit for years and they still get called up for the team. Suddenly, everyone's pissed at Lou. And he wins another trophy. Everyone is like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. We're so good right now, a lot of people, me included don't really bother the national team anymore. But when the World Cup comes, everyone who pulls out their Germany flags, puts them on their German cars and screams, Schland! Empty streets. Everything is silent. Then suddenly the whole nation cheers and jumps. Yes, it's World Cup time in Germany. We take World Cup matches very seriously. We always watch in small or bigger groups. And every town people gather in the town squares and watch the matches together on big screens. We call it public viewing. It's always a fun experience, 
But then again, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth whenever people gather in one place screaming, Deutschland, Deutschland. (laughs) Fair enough. Rivals. England. As mentioned in the England episode, we really don't like the English. They are so arrogant and still always get their asses whipped by (coughs) us. Italy. Italy seems to eliminate us from every tournament. It really sucked. They also play defensive-minded football. Football. Painful to watch. The Dutch. The Dutch are the worst. They always had an awesome team for their small country, but by God, we hate them. Dutch people seem to behave badly in Germany, and German people behave badly in the Netherlands. Sometimes it feels like pure hatred, but then again, we admire them for their weed. In recent years, they went to shit, so it's not as bitter anymore. Yeah, you're not going to have to worry about the Dutch in this particular World Cup. No, no. All right, there you have it, Joe. I mean, you've been to Germany, I've been to Germany... I've never been – you've been to Italy during the German World Cup, so there might have been some spillover there. So I, I think it doesn't take too much to imagine what it must be like. Yeah, yeah, I think – You just keel over, Joe? No, my six-year-old daughter just walked think, in here. I think Joe... No, my six-year-old daughter just walked in here and then, like, stumbled out, like, at, drunkenly tired. At two in the morning? I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> so, Happy <laughs> Pickings it's a picks, Friday. <laughs> you know, Pickings Friday is, is you know, there's always always strange things that happen. Um, yeah. Look, when I was there, I mean, look, it, it was different. The World Cup had just happened there. So it was just massively like soccer stuff everywhere. But also it had been a fairly disappointing World Cup for Germans. Yes. As he said, Italy knocked them out. It's interesting to hear Yannick talk about it, though, where he's kind of like, he's sort of saying the same thing that we were saying of like, yeah, it's kind of boring now. Like we win all the time. Yeah. You know, um, you know, no one doubts that Germans love their football and are like massively excited about their team and have these rivalries. And like the one thing that I'll say, like when I was in Italy, I remember, I, I remember. So if you remember in that world cup, Italy beat and, and what a road for them. They beat Germany in the semifinal in Germany. Yes. And then they beat France in the final. Yes. And I remember the next day we were just talking to some, obviously that's like the only thing we talked about in Italy for the, weeks leading up to it. And then obviously like the time after it too, the weeks after it too, uh, just cause it was like so exciting for everyone. And they loved to also share the experience with us. Cause like it was foreign to us, obviously. Um, and Tony reminded me, we were in Chicago. The, the Italian fans in Chicago are celebrating with like it. They're yeah. it's such a fun, the, the world cup. So fun. Totally. So what they said was they were like, we hate the French and we hate the Germans. This was the Italian perspective. We hate the French and we hate the Germans, but we hate the French like you kind of like hate your sibling, like a a sibling rivalry, but we fucking hate the Germans. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think that like, that's sort of like, you know, everyone hates Germany. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're so good and they're so like good in a way that's just like, Quietly, efficiently good. 
Um, that it's just like frustratingly good. Yes, exactly. They never fuck up. Like they're the team. They're like the perfect measuring stick team. Like if you beat Germany, you got a good team because you know Germany's right. always coming to play. And then the thing that I like as a fan of the Chargers and then Tottenham Hotspur and then the Panthers and, you know, the Padres and on and on. Like, I've never known what it's like to be a Yankee fan, for example. Yeah. Which is maybe not the best example right now because they haven't, you know, because they've had their own goals over time. To be a Patriots fan, right, right. I've never known what that feels like to like, but but it's not that I don't get it either. It's like I get the fact that like when you're a Yankee fan, what you want is you want every year to be total domination. You want every World Series to be swept in four games. You want yeah. right like and and anything less than that is a travesty. And like that's exciting in its own way. It's just not an excitement that I'm used to. But I think just hearing in Yannick, it is so steeped in the fan culture there. Um, you know, and his point about thousands of fans yelling Deutschland is also, uh, you know, well taken. That 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 gets creepy. For I, I'm not going to hold. I'm not going to hold things that happen. This is three generations ago. Like I'm not holding well, also, things that happened three generations ago against modern. We're going to talk about it in atrocities. Yeah. I'm not. We're not going to have it infuse. But more again, than that the number category. of people alive that were like actually active in that war, they're like single digits. Like it's. Ancient history. Well, it's not single digits, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, it it's an interesting perspective on fandom that neither you or I, Dan, have because we've never rooted for teams, even even with your you know massive Caps victory. Um, we've never been fans of dynasties. Yeah, no, I mean the the closest thing I have to it is the Warriors, but. They're not my team, so it's like I, I admit I right. root for them, but but I do. To, but to the you point, root adjacent to them, but yeah. but even rooting adjacent to them, I do feel this. Like I found myself in the Rocket series because it went to a game seven. I was like, I think it'd be fun if the Warriors lose because just to see like something different happen, and like the Warriors always play like they're not trying, and it's like you really have to. That's a, the tough thing about Germany, which I think coming into the last World Cup, they've been so good, but they hadn't won in like 25 years or right. whatever. But right. then they won. And so now it's – and Germany does have this. It's like <coughs> Brazil sort of And in the won last them. World Cup, there was this interesting thing about a team winning on um, – The Europeans South team America. winning on yeah, South American right. soil. But if you look like – Brazil, like, won World Cup in bunches. You know, like, they won back-to-back, and then I think they won three in, in, in four cups. Germany sort of spaces them out. and But it's like, after you've just won one, it's, you know, it's fun because you're sort of playing with house money. But it's also not fun as a, a fan because, like, who ca- like the Warriors win or they don't win. What What difference does it make? They won last year, and they'll probably win next year. Like, who cares? Whereas... If Germany wins, I think the fans will be happy. And as I said, they'll they'll cement themselves or whatever. But like I think this this the the fans the the amount of joy they will feel will undoubtedly be half of what they felt in 2014. Right. Or at least a different type of joy. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh yeah, 
I still think this is a good fan culture, but I do think that it is one that would be hard for me to tap into because it's a different ethos than what how I approach fandom. So I'm going to say 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10, I think it's a fair score. I think it's a little generous, actually. But I, again, they're, they're, right. they, they, you know they love the game. It's just that... Yeah, exactly. It's, it, no, because I don't want it to make it seem like I, I think they're a bad fan culture, just one that would be hard for me to relate yeah. to. Um, okay, Dan, uh, up next, we got the Joker. Well, so we got talk two about categories celebrities. left. Ooh. All right, well, we've got a, in in the German fashion you'd like, uh, ruthlessly efficient here. Very little explanation. Honorable mentions. We've got two of them. One living, one dead. We'll start with the living Boris Becker, tennis star, former number one tennis player. I'm just adding on to he has not written any of this, but awesome. Einstein. How about him, Joe? Albert Einstein. Scientist. Deceased. Awesome guy. Jew. Funny as a whip. People don't give him enough credit for that. And, you know, theory of relativity and all that. Good. The bronze medalist. Or should I say, the bronze, bronze medalist? I mean, that's your Austrian, but sure, yeah. Henry sure. Kissinger, his resume speaks for itself. I, I it felt like I was going a little, yeah, too much Austrian. It's good though. I like it. I like yeah, it. Whatever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> You're channeling something. Two thirty in the morning. <laughs> this marathon podcast. The silver medalist, Diane Kruger. Actress ah. and fashion icon played Helen of Troy in the action movie Troy. I have honestly never heard of her, Joe. I mean, she was um, she was Helen of Troy in the action movie Troy. That's what I just said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I don't know who it is. Other than Troy. I've seen Troy. I mean, yeah. That, that's cool. Okay. All right. And... The gold medalist, Heidi Klum, model, fashion designer, entrepreneur. It's a good one. It's a good one. And a judge on America's Next Top Model, which seems like a show you would watch, Joe. It is not not in my not in my rotation right now. Wow. Surprisingly. I know. I know. Uh well, I think, you know, these celebrities are pretty good. I feel like there's a little bit of like a flip. Like like I don't really know who Diane Kruger is. So maybe like Albert Einstein could have been higher, probably. Just, you know, some direct feedback to Carson. Yeah, maybe. Not that he needs it. This is his last time doing it. Um, but, you know, uh, these are, you know, Heidi Klum's a household name. What about that that Dyson vacuum guy? Is he, is he German? <laughs> Okay. The you Dyson. know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, well, the Dyson vacuum guy. Dyson. What's his name? Oh, no, he's British. Yeah. He's British. Are you trying to you're trying to on the fly add in your own German celebrities? No, I mean, I just really like that guy. <laughs> can, can we up the score for England? <laughs> They're already in, Joe. So you're the one who wants to keep this surgical. Every minute you spend right now is just one less minute of sleep. I, oh. I'm sleeping until noon tomorrow. You know, James Dyson was pro-Brexit. Oh, that makes me like him less. Oh, that's bad. 
You know, that's what right. it's like, you know, growing up, everybody I like watched Walker, Texas Ranger, and it was like fun. You know, he's like doing karate and stuff, and like Chuck Norris was like this Amer you know, like karate hero and he like dominated for the US for some time. And then he like is the biggest Trump supporter in the world. Like I know, I know, I know. Uh well, that's a shame. That's a shame about Dyson. And he's, you know, so Look, I was going to give Germany a higher rating, but now that I know that this Dyson guy was pro-Brexit. That's <laughs> tough. Uh, no, these celebrities are all right. Let's. Uh, this is also a 5 out of 10, I think. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, he, Carson did bad research, but the, the, what he's given to us is punching way below their weight. But, yeah. I mean, it is true, and I think if you, just based on the... Not only the research, but just like Germans in pop culture or lives, like Germans do invent and build a lot of amazing things. But like, how many German musicians do you like? Like, right. none. How many right. German actors or actresses do you like? There aren't many. Like, I mean, other than the great Diane Kruger, <laughs> none. But very but few. The, there, it's it's not like Australia or England, just in the way they they interact with pop culture like germany is is definitely much more they connect with our lives in just like a different way like celebrity is not the way they they interact with our lives and i wonder if it's because germany is such a thriving economy and like cultural epicenter of its own that like german celebrities are staying in germany like i don't know yeah i I, I, i'm just trying to like maybe assign something to it like like there's a there's a whole German cinema and you know whatever and so are they just you know yeah I, are I like, would be really interested to know if there is because it's a very good point like I understand how Germany contributes in all these other ways and and obviously Germany is an incredible powerhouse in so many fields I do wonder if German cinema is like all these German actors and actresses that just don't make it much like India for example has Bollywood which is has their own entire fandom and 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 these right. mega celebrities that in the u.s nobody's ever heard of but are like mega celebrities or i wonder if in germany they they really like american movies and stuff yeah i don't know i mean i've never heard know. it just doesn't like the germans don't strike me as like the most artistic culture in the world <laughs> i mean like I, I i don't mean that like in a negative way i just it just does seem to me like if i could pick a culture that was like going to be making these creative movies like germany wouldn't be them but look maybe i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about it's 2 30 in the morning and i will say this weissen edelweiss it's pretty damn good i'm, I'm enjoying this and we have one category left joe it's a fun one right of course atrocities thanks to superfan josh phd Let's not beat around the bush here. We probably wouldn't have this category if not for Germany. The Holocaust, with more than 6 million victims, mostly Jews, was perhaps the moment when Europe collectively realized that the core of modernity might not be enlightenment, but bureaucratized savagery. On the other hand, Germany has reckoned with its history in a way that many other countries have not. So maybe that's worth a point or two, but if we have... A historical atrocities category, Germany unfortunately has to play the role of the villain. They'll probably 
keep taking the cake in this category until someone invents a time machine to kill baby Hitler. Atrocity level, Joe. Germany. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would love to hear PhD Josh's take on on Hitler killing. Like, is it the right call? Like the hypothetical, you can go back in time and kill baby Hitler. Is that the what moral, ethical? What 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 is the question we're asking? Because if if we if we're seeking voicemails in future episodes, I know Josh loves to to wax philosophical. Well, I mean, look, I mean, there's like, yeah, are you are you morally obligated to kill baby Hitler? Yeah. And I think the question is like, you know, obviously Hitler was a monster. Yeah. And I don't think there's an argument that like, well, someone equally bad would have risen up. But there's also the like question of like, would someone 80% as bad risen in his place? And then you also have these other trajectories. Like, you know, maybe it's like, well, the fact that Hitler was like, you know, shitty at like strategy was the reason why Germany didn't win that. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not Josh. I'm just curious his perspective on it. Yeah, I, I would love to wade into this, but I just, I just don't know enough about um, the various aspects of it to to wade in on. Because frankly, you know, the thing about this German history is like the the level of atrocity is just like off the charts in the actual Holocaust and just the the way. People were grouped together and murdered. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like it's it's almost unfathomable that that humans would do this to one another, and 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 lied about it, and 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 just the way the way they did it. You know, it, it was so horrific. But at the same time, the horrific shit happens all the time. Like it didn't happen. It hasn't happened with the, the, the brutality and the singling out of one particular type of people in the – like the thing I think people don't realize about the Holocaust and that really surprised me was like the Holocaust literally killed 33% of all the Jews in the world. Like right. a lot of them were in Europe and they singled out this type of people for being Jewish and just were like we're going to – Put you together and, like, get rid of all of you, which is crazy. But these horrific things happen all the time, like, in in all sorts of countries. And and fortunately, as uh, time goes on, they happen less and less just because the world watches more. And the world, you know, at least in the pre-Donald Trump era, actually gave a shit and tried to prevent these horrific things from happening. But, you know, the thing is... And again, for somebody like Josh to listen to it would be very interesting to hear his take on the the killing baby Hitler thing. But like, it's not like Hitler was the only person who did these horrible things to to groups of people. And you know, like we joke in the past episode about the uh, genocide that occurred in um, in Serbia, but it, it, the 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 scope of it in the Holocaust. It, must be must be beyond comparison to, well, to anything else. It's the scope and also the I mean 
here's the thing about it. We've sort of talked in all this positive and very joking way about German efficiency. But the thing about the Holocaust is that like they, they, they weaponized that efficiency. Yeah. For yeah. Genocide. Right. And like, I mean like literally it, they were, they were efficient slaughterers of human beings. And I think that's what, when, um, when I read this thing from Josh and, and when he said perhaps the moment when they realized that the core of modernity might not be enlightenment, but right. bureaucratized savagery is such a, I mean, look, Josh is, well, no, and I say, so he has a PhD, yeah. but it's so yeah. true, like to take well, all of this modern skill and technology and put it to this. And it is distinct about the Holocaust. I, I, I don't know enough about history to know if it's completely unique about the Holocaust, but it is distinct that like, when you look at like genocide in Rwanda or even the Serbian genocide, they were like sloppy genocides. It was, it was, it was, you know, troops or tribes, you know, in Rwanda going in and slaughtering villages. Obviously horrific, yes. right? But it wasn't, it wasn't institutional. I mean, I mean, actually, that's not right. Some of it was very institutionalized too, of course, but it wasn't, uh, systematic bureaucratic and like efficient in the way that the germans did it and and that's the part of it that like is makes it so much worse the but like all that being said the the thing about germany and this is my sense when i went there i don't know if, if it was your take when you went there is that like it, it 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 feels like a country that is like i mean you know Remember when we talked about Poland, and one of the reasons why Poland didn't make it through, sorry, Zeb, is like their desire but to they're like. Back. They're back. Their desire to like wash away their own culpability in the Holocaust. Yeah. And other than what we've talked about in the political section of like this recent reemergence of the right wing popula- populism in Germany, Germany doesn't attempt to do that. You know, they are, they try and confront it and also to acknowledge it and to make sure it doesn't happen. And it's like, at a certain point to the point that you were making earlier about like, okay, so how many generations of people do you punish for that? Yeah. But that's what this category is all about. So so at least this generation is going to get a little bit punished for it. I mean, it's got to be a zero out of 10. All right. I would have given them at least a point for for the minor generation. for the acknowledgement. Yeah, I, yeah. I think All they're right. worth. A, I think it's worth a point. All right. All right. Let's do a one. Let's do a one. And you're I don't. Right. You're right. No, you're again, right. you're right. I, I think I think Josh hit it right on the 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 dot, which is it, they have to have a low score just because this category exists because of them. But of all the countries we've seen, we've seen countries that don't care about their past and Germany does care and Germany totally uh, really you know obviously there's nothing you can do to make it right other than future generations just have to live with the the memory of of what happened and hopefully learn from it but look the thing is what a great what a great note to end our entire podcast on Dan I know we probably should have done that category way <laughs> early um, oh wait wait but- hey We've still got the drink, Joe. On the drink, let me tell you. I mean, look, you know beer is not my drink of choice. But, it isn't. But there is nothing, nothing, Dan, like the fun it is to just be in a German beer hall with a big German beer, singing, having a good time. It 
It's oh, awesome. the band's always playing. They've always got the, the, the band's live playing. band. It's like, and they've got like every guy in the band has like 15 different instruments strapped to them that they're playing at all times. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Let, let's give some redemption here. This is an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. <sighs> Even with that, Joe, wow. Germany only comes in at a 5.79. So they are straight in the gray area. I don't even feel like going through all the countries because it's too complicated. But I think they are actually in the gray zone. I don't think anybody less than them has been passed through, and I don't think anybody higher than them has been rejected. But I don't don't take me at my word on that. But the, I, I guarantee they're they're right in the gray zone. So th- this really this could go either way, Joe. This is this is where the great saying "May your choice be prosperous" is is most necessary because this is this is a tough one, Joe. I mean, they're defending World Cup champions. This to to. To either eliminate them or pass them through is a, a monumental, a monumental pick, Joe. Uh, yeah, this is this is tough, man. This is tough. Uh, look, I think Germany obviously deserves, uh, you know, a ton of. Um, credit for all their history with uh with the world cup and in 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 the world of soccer i think that uh they had some categories that they hit them pretty hard here but they also had some pretty good categories and i think that um i still want to see what germany can do in the next round so i think i'm gonna move them on wow (laughs) Twisting my emotions, I I I I thought you were going. Uh, oh, you thought they were dead. I thought they were dead. You thought they were gone. I thought they were out. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I think I think that they deserve another shot. There are so many teams moving on. All right. Well, I guess we have no. to, to. Are you writing this down? Do you, Dan, do you already have I, it written down? I have a whole plan for us, my friend. Well, I guess you already had it written down because you already knew that the the the. Great picker himself. You you maybe knew even the choices before you were even asked. Well, I had to. Uh, yeah, no, I had to uh, uh, recalibrate everything. So I mean, as far as I can see it, out of the thirty-two teams, only twelve have been eliminated. So there are twenty teams through. But Dan, here's what we did. So, so I have taken every team that we've scored that has made it through. So all twenty. Okay. And I have ranked them in order of their scores. Okay. You uh, didn't even know what Germany's one, score was until a second ago. I just did it. I just added oh them. Oh my goodness! It's a tab on our thing. You can look at it right now if you want. And what what I then did, Dan, oh. is I. Split them up into f- into five different pots. Wow! And I did a random draw here. Oh my goodness! That you can see. And from that random draw, <laughs> we now have our own bracket 
our own group stage uh, of, of four groups. I didn't a, know B, you knew how to spreadsheet like this, Joe. Oh, Dan, I'm I'm a believe me, Dan. You got pivot tables. You got everything I can going run, on. I can run circles around you with Excel, my friend. I I'm a, like a VLOOKUP expert. You should see me, man. I'm impressed. I'm, good. I'm impressed. I'm good. Um, Boy, these groups so, are pretty exciting, Joe. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, Dan. I have to recalibrate because I did this. Frankly, to be honest, I did this assuming that Germany would make it through as a pot one team. So I have to, I have to totally re recalibrate this because it changes pretty much everything. Oh no! So our, so so our pot one teams, Dan. Let me just read this out. Our pot one teams are Argentina, Colombia, France, and surprisingly to me, Denmark. Yeah, I did not know that Denmark made it. That um, I don't even trust my scoring, far. but fair enough. So Denmark. So those four teams will not be in a group together. The pot two teams are England, Wait, South Korea. Wait, how many pots? So we're going to have five groups? No, there's only four groups. So there's five pots because there's five teams in each group. Then there should be f- four pots. No. So there should no. be five teams per pot. No, it's the opposite. There's four groups. So there, so there should be five pots because, trust me, it works. Pot two teams are. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. England, South Korea, Brazil, Mexico. Just pot riveting. Three teams. Riveting podcasting. <laughs> Sorry, as as I'm trying to understand what's going on. <laughs> you're right. You understand what's going on. You have now one pot- hour and twelve minutes until your flight. Two hours and twelve stop. minutes. Stop. Stop. Don't even. That's just stressing me out now. Okay. Uh, pot three teams. Portugal, Belgium, Costa Rica, Uruguay. Some strong pot three teams. Japan, Spain, Sweden, and Iceland uh, are pot four. And Peru, Germany, Poland, and Senegal are pot yeah, five. Yeah, I'll have to post this on the Reddit once once yeah. it's finalized. Have you done the random draw? I did the random draw. So column D is the random draw, which I used random.org yeah. to generate these one through four. And so, but just what is in this group is not right. So so the groups are not oh, I see. are not set I yet. See. That's the thing I have to fix. So, um, but that being said, well, I can I can uh, just read the groups out here. Oh my goodness! No, these look right. Oh no no no, they're they not are? right. They're not right. Not right at the bottom. So Group A is France, Brazil. Hold on, hold on. This is what I can do. Wait, 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 wait a second. Let's just do this. Forget this. Group A. This should be right. Yep. So Group A yeah. is France. That's what I was going to yeah. read. Do it. Okay, great. Group A is France, Brazil, Belgium, Iceland, and Peru. Fan favorite. Group B, Denmark, England, Uruguay, Spain, and Poland. Boy, that's a a tough group. Group C, Argentina, South Korea, Costa Rica, Japan, and Senegal. That's, That's the group of life right there. Yeah. And group D... Colombia, Mexico, Portugal, Sweden, and Germany. Oh, that's a group of death. That's tough. Oh, I don't know. Boy, I think Group B might be the group of death. With yeah, that's tough England too. Spain, and Poland Uruguay. and Spain and Uruguay, boy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's tough. So the way that we're going to do this, the first episode that we're going to do, which will be Sunday night, that's going to be the group stage. And... 
I have a process in mind for picking, but we are going to talk about each of these groups. And just like the real World Cup, the top two teams from each group will advance to wow. the knockout wow. stage. To get so to we're going to whittle. We're going to whittle 20 down to eight. <sighs> that's how we're going to do it. That's exciting. All right. So everybody out there, boy, if you've listened this long, God bless Joe bless you. Um, send in your voicemails. You know, if you've got a if you've got a, uh, a team you're rooting for, you now know the groups, and we're going to post all of these on the Reddit. So, not only talk up your group, but insult the other teams in your group because you are trying to motivate Joe to pick your team. That's right, Dan. That's right. All right, Dan. Well, I need to go to sleep right Joe, now. What a great pickings Friday this was! Happy pickings Friday. This is the best pickings Friday ever. I. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. It's it's nearly three in the morning. I don't want this Pickings Friday to end, but unfortunately. Is it a Pickings Friday tradition that you have to stay up until you cannot humanly hold your eyes open? I know. You've, you've had <laughs> many micro naps during this episode. But Joe, you play it off perfectly. You you do the micro naps as if you've got three young children who are constantly stretching your every nerve. But that's it. You've done it, Joe. All right, Dan. Happy, happy last episode. Enjoy your one hour of the regular season. (laughs) Good night, Dan. See ya.